Welcome to the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast, a free resource for gymnast parents and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about hashtag real talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to episode four of the Gymnast Nutritionist podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and today is going to be one of the most important episodes you ever listen to for so many of you gymnast parents and coaches, even medical providers. Today's episode is going to explain a lot of things that you see in your gym, in your home, in your clinic. Um, and things that you've often been left just kind of scratching your head about and not knowing, you know, why your gymnast is still struggling, why she's injured, why she's tired. Um, let me make a little caveat here. I say she a lot just because we tend to work mostly with female gymnasts. Um, but I would say all of our content is definitely relatable to the male gymnasts, especially this topic. Okay. So just out of habit, I'm going to say she, um, and to keep my brain kind of straight here, but just know um, this 100% affects male gymnasts as well. So I want to talk about something called REDS or Red S, which stands for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. Does your gymnast have Red S? And here's the deal. Gymnasts and REDS are unfortunately linked more often than parents, coaches, and providers realize. Um, this is a syndrome that was introduced in 2014 by the International Olympic Committee to further expand upon what was called the female athlete triad. And some of you may have heard of that. Um, and it was called the female athlete triad because it was limited to females who had to have stress fracture, amenorrhea or no period, and some form of disordered eating or eating disorder. And this kind of triad was um, a diagnosis to help explain, you know, the cross country runner who... Um, has lost her period and has a stress fracture and, you know, maybe has low body weight, maybe not. The problem with the female athlete triad is it misses a huge population of both male and female athletes that are suffering from underfueling or what we call low energy availability. And so the beauty of red S is it's really expanded the qualifications needed for diagnosis of low energy availability, and it helps to aid in earlier identification and treatment. So a little bit more history on the female athlete triad. Um, this started to grow in the scientific literature back in the 1980s and researchers really focused on looking at um, whether it was an aesthetic sport like dancers or runners and kind of the relationship between fractured fractures, delayed puberty and amenorrhea or missing um, the period or menstrual cycle. So when a female isn't eating enough to compensate for daily energy needs, which includes high levels of exercise, the hypothalamus, which is a part of the brain, will tell the ovaries to shut it down. Essentially, it senses that there is not enough energy or calories available to support a baby and when it tells the ovaries to stop producing appropriate amounts of estrogen and progesterone, 
um, this is going to have a very negative effect on the body. It's going to have a big effect on bone density. This drop in hormone production can lead to loss of bone mass. This is what increases the risk of stress reaction and stress fracture injuries. And when we look at the female athlete triad and even reds, there is a higher incidence of disordered eating and eating disorders, which leads to inadequate energy intake. But at the same time, I work with a lot of gymnasts, especially younger gymnasts, who I would say have what I call unintentional underfueling, right? And this really just stems from parents never being taught just how much their nutrition, how much nutrition their gymnast needs when they're training 15, 20, 25, 30 plus hours a week. So a couple years ago, back in 2014, which gosh, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's almost 10 years ago. That's when the International Olympic Committee introduced this concept of REDS. And it's a way to describe the physical and psychological effects of inadequate energy intake, so caloric intake, on athletes. And it creates the space to erase the previous limitations of, you know, only looking at females and only looking for symptoms or issues like disordered eating, amenorrhea, and stress fractures. Um, because those are really only a few of the symptoms of inadequate energy availability. And like I've already said, males can also suffer from underfueling. Um, so to diagnose red S, there's obviously a list of symptoms that we'll look at. But from a dietitian's perspective, there's actually a calculation that we can run that takes into account an athlete's energy intake minus their exercise expenditure per kilogram of fat-free mass. And the literature shows that, you know, there's this minimum of 45 calories per kilo of fat-free mass that's required for normal physiological function and training, recovery, and adaptation. When athletes, or more specifically gymnasts, are eating below this, specifically less than 30 calories per kilo of fat-free mass, this is when we'll start to see negative physiological consequences take place, such as the downregulation of metabolism, We'll see downregulation of reproductive hormones, thyroid hormones, impaired muscle growth, impaired muscle adaptation or adaptation, aka getting better, faster, stronger from your training. We'll see increased cortisol or stress hormone, which also impairs muscle building and recovery. We'll see decreased immune function and underfueling or what we call low energy availability affects every organ system in the body. So the tragic reality is that so many high-level gymnasts are walking around with reds. And again, it's, it's not your fault, right? I, I don't know any gymnast parent that's really taught from a young age when, you know, even when your gymnast is compulsory and training level three, four, or five here in the States, uh, most of them are training 15 plus hours a week. And that's a lot, right? That tends to be a lot compared to just normal kids. And so if you as a parent are just feeding them three meals a day and you're feeding them some snacks when they're hungry... Um, that's probably not sufficient because exercise is stressful to the body. It blunts the appetite. And so even if you're like, but I'm feeding my kid when she's hungry, she may not be hungry enough for a variety of reasons, especially when we think about a sport like gymnastics, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of anxiety. And so those things can also blunt the appetite. And so even if your gymnast says she's not hungry, that doesn't necessarily mean she's getting what her body needs. So anytime I'm working with a gymnast or giving a team talk as part of our signature team talk series or a lecture, I almost always try to include this really fabulous graphic from um, the British, I think it's the British Medical Journal, British Journal of Sports Medicine. Um, and it shows two things. It shows the physical consequences of reds or underfueling, and then it shows the side effects. And so I want to go through um, all of those with you. Like I said earlier, it really does affect every system in the body. 
And oftentimes gymnasts will have weird symptoms that you wouldn't necessarily think are related to nutrition, more specifically under fueling. And they can go from doctor to doctor to doctor, have all sorts of unnecessary tests and imaging, trying to figure out what's wrong when really um, what's wrong is they're not eating enough and they're just not eating enough for their body to have the appropriate building blocks to repair and recover. So when we think about the organ systems in the body, it affects all of them. It affects growth and development, it affects your brain, your psychological health, your cardiovascular health, your heart, big effects on gastrointestinal health or your stomach, intestines, kind of food processing, digestion. It affects the immune system. It affects hormonal regulation, whether that's on the menstrual cycle or thyroid hormones, affects the metabolism, bone health, um, affects the blood. So hematological systems can cause um, anemia, low iron, all sorts of things. And then I want to talk about the side effects kind of going through each of those organ systems. So we're going to first start with kind of hormonal regulation and menstruation. So inadequate energy availability will lead to either primary or secondary amenorrhea. Primary amenorrhea or no period um, is really not having a period by at least 15 to maybe 16 years old. So you can stop right there. If your gymnast is, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, and they don't have a period yet, if you've been told that's normal, it's not. I don't care who told you that. I don't care if it was your doctor. I don't care as a pediatrician. It is not normal for a gymnast to not have her period by a certain age. And we know that from the research. We know that from physiology. We actually know that the later you start your period past 15, 16 years old, the increased risk you have for uh, bone-related injuries because you have poor bone density. So we think about gymnastics, we think about health and longevity in the sport, and we think about how many high-level gymnasts um, careers get cut short or get sidetracked because of bone-related injuries, whether it's a stress fracture or stress reaction or poorly healing bone injury. Um, there's definitely a correlation there between um, not having enough nutrition to grow and develop, which also means there's not enough nutrition to repair and recover. Secondary amenorrhea is the loss of the period for more than three months after about the first year of menstruation. So that first year of menstruation or having a period, it can be um, a little up and down, right? Um, it's typical for adolescent cycles to be longer than that kind of typical 30 day plus or minus cycle that, you know, we're told as women is pretty normal. Um, sometimes they'll skip some months, their whole body and system is trying to regulate things. And so we're not super concerned in that first year, but at the same time, I've worked with a lot of gymnasts who maybe they get one period at 14 or 15, and then 18 months later, they still haven't had a second cycle. Okay, that's definitely a red flag that something's going on. And I would say nine times out of 10, it's due to inadequate nutrition. So essentially how this works is, like I said, the hypothalamus, it's a gland in the brain um, that senses whether or not there's enough energy or nutrition calories to support a baby. And this hypothalamus is what controls the production of gonadotropin-releasing hormone. And when this hormone is released, it stimulates the ovaries to produce estrogen and progesterone. So at first, we could just see irregular periods if a gymnast isn't getting consistent nutrition. So their period might not just immediately stop, but they may go from, you know, 30-day cycles plus or minus. So all of a sudden, their cycles are 45 to 60 days long. They may skip two or three and again, oftentimes doctors will tell you this is normal. They'll say it's normal. She's a gymnast. You know, when she stops gymnastics, her periods will normalize. And that is not true. We used to think that. We used to think that it was just the stress 
of exercise, but really when you look at it, most of the time it's related to this whole concept of REDS or inadequate energy availability. So this is not normal. It's not normal to not have a period. And it really can lead to serious health ramifications that will really jeopardize your gymnast career and need to be resolved. I will say on some occasion, um, it may be kind of genetically normal for your gymnast to not start her period until maybe 15 or 16. Um, but I'll say this is, is more rare. And, you know, even looking at family history, sometimes that can be convoluted, right? I mean, I've had gymnasts in my practice that they're 15, 15 and a half. Not only have they not started their period, but they are way behind in terms of um, sexual development. And the parent will say, well, that's normal. I didn't start my period either until I was 16. But here's the deal. Like, how good was mom's nutrition back then? You know, was she also an athlete? Was she struggling with uh, eating disorder or disordered eating? Or was she simply just not eating enough? So it's, it's kind of hard to say on that familial component. I mean, I think you have to look at kind of several generations, which even then kind of recall um, can get fuzzy. So while that could be true for your gymnast, I would say more than likely um, they're delayed because of underfueling, especially if, you know, mom and sisters all started their periods by, you know, a more normal age, kind of 11, 12, 13 years old or so. So the other piece to underfueling and hormones is bone health. And this is a major organ system that gets disrupted when underfueling occurs and it will cause loss of not only bone mass, but impaired bone regeneration and repair. So when your gymnast doesn't get her period or when she's not getting enough nutrition to repair and recover, um, her estrogen levels will be too low, which can lead to bone loss, or she may just not be getting enough nutrition for her body to just even have the building blocks it needs to repair um, the bone mass and to produce new bone mass. And this is a big reason why stress fractures are such a huge problem in gymnastics. And it is mind blowing to me how many gymnasts are diagnosed with stress fractures and stress reaction injuries or have some sort of bone related injury that then isn't healing well. And at no point does the doctor or physical therapist ever even bring up nutrition. They never even bring it up. And then when the gymnast comes in and let's say the fracture was supposed to heal in six to eight weeks and they come in and the doctor looks at it and they're like, gosh, I don't know why this isn't healing. Like, I guess you need to, you know, take another four weeks or take another eight, eight, eight weeks. Like, you know, everyone's sitting around scratching their heads, wondering why things aren't healing when the huge glaring red flag is the fact that this gymnast isn't eating enough, especially most gymnasts when they are injured and can't train, they may do all sorts of weird stuff with their nutrition because they're freaked out about body change or weight gain or who knows what, right? I definitely felt that as a gymnast, I work with a lot of them who experienced that, um, which really stems from not knowing how to fuel and not eating enough in the first place. So in my mind, you know, if you're a sports medicine physician, if you're an orthopedist, anytime you get a gymnast or an aesthetic athlete or really any athlete for that matter, if they have a stress reaction or stress fracture why not refer them to a sports dietitian, at least for an initial assessment of nutrition? That is a really easy check the box to make sure that they are getting the nutrition they need to support your treatment plan, to support the healing timeline, to support physical therapy and strength coaching and whatever else you're going to have this athlete do along the road to recovery. The other big no-no I see is doctors putting gymnasts or any other athlete for that matter on oral contraceptives 
in order to either jumpstart their period or, quote, protect their bones. And here's the deal. The hormones from birth control get metabolized sooner at the liver than hormones that are produced in our bodies. And so taking birth control to protect your bones really only gives you this false reassurance of health because it's not actually doing anything to help you. There are very few instances where um, if an athlete already has impaired bone density, um, the physician may use some sort of uh, progesterone or even a patch, estrogen, estradiol, um, to try and even maintain the bone mass and prevent further loss. Um, but just putting an athlete on birth control because they don't have a period to quote protect their bones isn't going to cut it, especially when they don't have a period because they're under fueling. So not okay. Um, obviously going on birth control is a personal choice, but the thing with having a period is it's the fifth vital sign. It's really something that allows us to know whether or not a gymnast's body is getting what it needs in terms of nutrition. So if your gymnast is on birth control, we lose that vital sign and we lose that marker of health for them, um, which can make it tricky to know whether or not their body's happy and whether or not their brain recognizes that there's enough nutrition to support a baby. And while most of them are not looking to get pregnant, right? They're, they're children and teens. Um, if the body senses there's not enough nutrition to support a baby, that means there's not enough nutrition to repair and recover, right? And so that's for all the people out there that say, well, you know, it's inconvenient to have a period or I don't want them to have a period, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the deal. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So you can't say that it's okay for a gymnast to not have a period unless you're willing um, for their career to be sacrificed by bone-related injuries and then just also poor performance and poor um, repair and recovery, you know, in terms of muscle growth, strength adaptation. Um, it's just not a good situation. So if gymnasts continue to train under fueled, they're just going to continue to lose more bone mass. It's going to further increase their injury risk. Um, and this takes a long time sometimes to correct. And so even when we work with gymnasts that you know, session one, I know that they're under fueling. They've been under fueling for years. Um, sometimes in the course of us working together in those first couple months, they may develop one of these injuries. Um, and it just goes to show that nutrition isn't a quick fix. You know, I can't fix years of under fueling in three months of eating enough. It just doesn't work that quickly. Um, definitely a topic for another day. Um, but it's really, it's really something that starts at a young age and it takes a lot of proactivity to help keep these high-level athletes healthy. So another aspect of REDS or underfueling is just the metabolic changes. And this is something that people really have not heard of. Um, we will see negative metabolic adaptations when an athlete is underfueled, and this will negatively affect the body composition. Um, oftentimes, athletes will restrict their intake to try to control their weight and shape. But what we know from the REDS and low energy availability research is that long-term underfueling can actually increase fat mass, decrease bone mass, and decrease muscle mass, which are all the complete opposite things um, that we want for the gymnast. So when a body is not getting enough nutrition, it's going to do everything it can to conserve the energy that, that is being put, put into it. And so um, oftentimes we'll see the body temperature decrease because you know, the body is trying to save up all the calories it can for keeping vital organs alive. And so anytime we have an athlete that um, is cold all the time, they're tired all the time, there's bruising, you know, they bruise easily or there's hair loss, fatigue, um, they are, you know, fatigued even after sleeping for a ton of hours. These are all 
signs that they're likely under fueling as well as gymnasts who are older and are struggling with their body composition. And this is something I see in my practice all the time. Um, older gymnasts, you know, level 10 elites, college gymnasts that, um, feel like they have too much body fat, feel like they weigh too much, or maybe have been told so by parents or coaches. And when we look back at their history, you know, these tend to be the athletes who have been unintentionally and then oftentimes intentionally under fueled for years and years and years. And so while starvation mode is not a real thing, right? It's what people will call, you know, if you gain weight mysteriously while you're dieting, they call it starvation mode. Well, that's not necessarily true. There is something to what we call metabolic adaptation, where essentially when you're not eating enough, your body is wired for survival. It's going to do everything it can to save and store in order to keep you alive. And this isn't a bad thing, but this will result in um, increased fat mass, decreased muscle mass, decreased bone density. And so it's just not optimal for body composition for high level gymnasts. Uh, but unfortunately their discomfort with how they feel will often further fuel the restriction. And so it's this very vicious cycle. A lot of gymnasts are really worried about eating more when they're told that they're under fueling because in their minds, if they eat more, they're just going to immediately gain weight. And when I work with a client, I'm like, look, I can't tell you what's going to happen. I can't tell you if you're going to gain weight, if you're going to lose weight, if it's going to stay the same. I think more importantly, you know, I don't really care about weight. It's really body comp that's more important. And even then I'm not going to subject you to body fat testing because I don't think that's appropriate, but here's the deal. What's most important is that you are fueling your body adequately so that it has enough nutrition to repair, to recover, to get better, get stronger, to adapt to your training. Um, and not only is this important just for your current, you know, gymnastics career, but this is so important for your future health, your future fertility, your future bone density. And so, you know, we have to let go of some of that weight and shape concern, which is um, definitely easier said than done. But I'll tell you most of the time when we work with gymnasts that need to eat more nutrition uh, or get more nutrition, they just feel better. You know, like even though they may be terrified that they're going to gain a ton of weight and their body's going to blow up overnight, all these things, um, what really helps kind of seal the deal for them and kind of motivate them to continue on this path to um, healing and recovery is the fact that they feel better in the gym um, pretty quickly. You know, even within the first couple of days of eating more, of fueling their workouts, they feel better, they perform better. So even along the way, if they do gain weight, which most of the time is normal, right? Most of the time these athletes aren't done growing and gaining. And so you can't really look at weight gain as, you know, even remotely a bad thing for them because they're supposed to be growing and gaining. And most of them haven't been gaining appropriately in the previous years due to the underfueling. So it's really just their body normalizing where it needs to go. Um, but like I said, in episode two, when we talked about, you know, gymnast weight concerns and shape concerns, it's really about performance. And so helping keep your gymnast focused on performance um, especially if she is in this process of re-nourishment is very important to helping her achieve health and well-being. So another aspect that is negatively impacted by underfueling is growth and development. So monitoring a gymnast growth patterns, you know, weight and height, looking at their growth charts is a really important way to know whether or not REDS is on your radar. Um, I don't take BMI into consideration because a, it's flawed as we talked about in episode two. Um, it's also not made for adolescents and it can shift radically with even slight changes in weight or height. And certainly overanalyzing these numbers can often be harmful, 
Um, but what's most important is that your gymnast is tracking along her own curve. So for example, um, if she is at the 80th percentile for weight, that could be completely normal for her. And what would be abnormal is if all of a sudden she fell to the 25th percentile, if that's just not where she has consistently tracked. Same thing for height. If she's previously tracked at the 50 to 75th percentile for height, and then all of a sudden when puberty began, she drops down to the 25th percentile or just doesn't grow, that's a problem. And oftentimes with adolescents, we won't necessarily see weight loss, we'll just see cessation of appropriate growth and development. So if your gymnast isn't growing and gaining each year, um, that is a major concern. And we're, we're going to talk about this in a whole separate episode. Another organ system that is deeply impacted by underfueling is the hematological system or the blood. Iron deficiency with or without anemia is a very common downstream effect of underfueling, and this can severely affect performance due to um, not having enough iron in the blood cells to bind oxygen and carry it around in the body. So symptoms of iron insufficiency all the way to deficiency or even anemia can include things like fatigue, shortness of breath, dizziness, increased perceived exertion, um, I love that term. Increased perceived exertion just means that everything feels more difficult than it should. And any and all of these symptoms should be a red flag for either just insufficient iron stores in the body, or it's been so long and it's so severe at this point that it's caused anemia, which changes the shape of the blood cells. And so even if your gymnast, um, eats red meat or fortified grains, um, there's a lot of reasons that she could have low iron. Um, gymnasts lose a lot of iron through the pounding, something that we call foot strike hemolysis. We lose it through our intestines. We lose it because of inflammation. Um, we lose it through, you know, having a menstrual cycle. So it's very important to monitor iron levels, um, at least yearly and, and certainly more frequently if they are abnormal. Um, you can't eat enough, um, foods rich in iron to replete your levels if you're low. So while eating iron-rich foods like red meat can be really helpful to try and maintain your iron levels, um, it's not enough to prevent, um, or not necessarily prevent deficiency, but it's not enough to replete um, iron when it's low. There's actually four stages to iron deficiency. So the first two will show a decrease in ferritin, which is a marker of your iron stores. And that's where we'll see physical effects like fatigue, shortness of breath, dizziness, poor recovery. Stage three of iron deficiency is characterized by tissue depletion and decreased blood production with an increase in serum transparent receptors. And then stage four is where we'll see decreased ferritin. We'll finally see decreased blood hemoglobin and hematocrit. We'll see increased transparent transferrin saturation, and this can lead to a diagnosis of anemia, more specifically iron deficiency anemia, which needs to be treated with supplemental iron under the monitoring of a physician or dietitian. But here's the thing. If you ask your physician, pediatrician, whomever to check your gymnast iron levels, oftentimes they'll just check a hemoglobin and hematocrit because that's just what they're familiar with. But we will actually see performance deficits in that stage one and two of iron deficiency where hemoglobin and hematocrit will remain normal. And there's actually such a thing as just having iron deficiency without anemia where someone's iron levels are low and they are certainly having symptoms um, and it still needs to be treated and addressed. But this is often something that doctors um, are not familiar with. And I'll tell you a good story. I had an elite gymnast that um, they were starting season and she was having a really hard time getting her routines together. 
Um, she couldn't get her endurance on floor. She couldn't get her endurance on her bar routine. And so her coach and her physical therapist kind of came together and they're like, okay, well, we don't know what to do. Season's getting really close. Um, you know, we're doing what we normally do and, and it's not coming along. So I guess we just need to have her do extra cardio each week. And so they ran by the plan with me and said they were going to have her do like five extra cardio sessions on the bike to try to get her endurance up. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second. This kid is already training 28 hours a week. We haven't historically had issues with endurance. And so I'm not quite sure that like five extra hours of cardio a week is really what she needs. And I'm like, let's, you know, first check in with the doctor, let's get labs checked. And sure enough, this poor kid was so low in iron that she was prescribed um, iron twice a day, which is a lot. We typically don't dose it like that, but that's just what the doctor needed to do. Um, and it took a while. I mean, it will take a month or two to even respond to the iron supplementation, but sure enough, um, after some time, everything came together, her endurance improved. Um, and it definitely wasn't a more cardio issue, which in fact would have just been really detrimental to her. So we can't just always assume it's an endurance issue or a lack of trying issue because there's some very real um, deficiencies like iron deficiency or even vitamin D um, that can have profound performance effects on the gymnast. Another aspect of REDS is psychological dysfunction. But unfortunately, um, for many athletes, it goes unrecognized. Their anxiety, their depression, their moodiness, their even struggle with food and body is often just blamed on, you know, being purely psychological in nature. Um, and it's very rare that there is a connection made with nutrition. But if we think about it, the brain needs a lot of energy. The brain alone uses 130 grams of carbohydrate per day. That's equivalent to eight slices of bread. And then the whole body needs more than that. So when your brain isn't getting enough nutrition, it's going to have a really time, a really hard time doing what I call kind of higher order thinking, AKA dealing with mood and emotion regulation, and certainly doing the highly technical thinking required in a difficult sport like gymnastics. And so I remember, you know, as part of my own story, when I was 15 or 16 years old and I was struggling with disordered eating, um, every single day at practice, I would cry on bars. And to this day, if you know me, I'm not a crier. I didn't cry at my wedding. I don't remember the last time I cried. It really takes a lot to get me crying. Normally I just kind of get mad first. Um, but every single day at practice, I cried on bars, right? And if you're a coach, you are so familiar with this and it can be really frustrating, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know why she's crying. I don't know what to do with her. But looking back, I was massively underfueled. It was no wonder that um, I was struggling on bars because I had peeled off and I had fractured my back. And so this was part of my comeback and I was scared. But instead of just being scared and trying to work through that mental block, I literally couldn't even deal. And I just sat there as a puddle of tears. So if your gymnast has trouble concentrating at practice, if she you know, you pick her up and she's excessively moody, or if she is struggling with things like anxiety or depression, I'm not saying that those are hundred percent caused by a lack of nutrition. I'm not saying that at all, but what I am saying is that if she is also under fueling, it's only going to make those things worse. Um, and something that we talk about a lot as, you know, medical providers that work with athletes who have disordered eating or eating disorders if an athlete is under fueled, they're not going to be able to quote, do the work in therapy, right? If I have a gymnast who is so undernourished, um, her brain is going to be slow. It's going to be foggy. It's going to be irrational, you know, not just because of the struggle with the disordered eating, 
but also because it just doesn't have enough energy to function. And so um, oftentimes, you know, when athletes are struggling, we, you know, hire a sports psychologist or a mental coach. And then, you know, a couple sessions in, we may wonder why it's not working or even the mental coach or someone may come to you and be like, I don't know, she doesn't seem very responsive. She's kind of checked out the whole time. And nine times out of 10, it's because it's a lack of nutrition issue. I actually get a lot of referrals from um, sports psychologists or mental coaches who have picked up on the fact that, you know, the athletes that have been referred to them for, you know, sports performance or mental blocks, um, they picked up on the fact that this athlete is probably not getting what they need. And so it's not going to make their treatment plan as effective. And, and that's really the bottom line with nutrition. You know, nutrition is really foundational to every aspect of a gymnast training, not just practice, not just conditioning, but physical therapy, prehab, mental coaching, every aspect of something that a gymnast engages in is going to be affected by whether or not she has enough nutrition. So please know that if your gymnast is struggling with any sort of mental health issue, um, there's probably a very good chance that she's also underfueled. And while correcting that is not necessarily going to make the mental struggle go away, um, it certainly could make it better. It could make engaging with therapy better and more effective, and she definitely will feel better. That's for sure. Another couple organ systems that are affected by underfueling are the heart, the gastrointestinal system, and the immune system. So some really scary stuff can happen with severe underfueling. Um, we'll actually see the heart atrophy. And so while people often think that having a low heart rate is normal for athletes, um, there's a difference between the athletic heart that has a low heart rate, resting heart rate, and what we call the sick heart. Um, there's a fabulous physician named Dr. Gaudiani. Um, she's an eating eating disorder physician. She has a great book called Sick Enough, and she has something called the walk test. And this can help tell the difference between the athletic heart and the sick heart. So I'm just um, kind of recanting this from her book, but essentially when she has um, a patient that has an eating disorder or disordered eating, whether they're an athlete or not, and they have a low resting heart rate, she will have them get up and walk down the hall and they will measure the difference in the heart rate from sitting and resting to standing with you know a couple steps down the hall. And if there's a big enough jump in the heart rate, this is caused by the heart having to really work overtime because it's weak and atrophied. And that right there places the athlete at significant risk of heart complications if left untreated. So uh, most of the time, you know, when you go to the doctor, they just check your heart rate, they check your blood pressure, they don't necessarily check it um, sitting versus standing or lying versus standing. Um, but it's definitely important to keep in mind that the heart is a muscle and we have to make sure we have enough nutrition for it. When it comes to gastrointestinal health, this is one of my favorite subjects when it comes to underfueling because we have so many gymnasts in our practice that complain of bloating, they may have constipation. They may just not really have an appetite or have early fullness. And before they get to us, they usually have been to a bunch of specialists, right? They've seen a gastroenterologist who has done labs. They may have even done an endoscopy or colonoscopy. And more often than not, they can't find anything wrong. And so they just kind of slap on a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome and tell you to kind of go on your way. And then sometimes these gymnasts will see chiropractors who will do food sensitivity testing that's not actually legitimate, which... We'll talk about that in a whole separate episode. Um, and they may tell them that, oh, well, you must have a gluten problem or a dairy problem or whatever. And that's why you're having all these symptoms. So the gym, then the gymnast cuts out those foods and yet her symptoms don't get better because more likely than not, she's now underfueling even more. And that's actually the root cause of 
these underfueling related symptoms like delayed transit, bloating, constipation, that kind of thing. When you're not eating enough, the stomach and intestines um, will not be doing their job frequently enough or strongly, if that makes sense, right? Like your intestines have to kind of push food along them. Um, it's important to get regular nutrition into our GI tract at regular intervals. And when we don't, that will cause the whole GI tract from the stomach to the intestines to slow down, to be kind of sluggish. And that's where gymnasts can struggle with constipation, early fullness, bloating. And so it's not a problem with the food. It's, it's not a gluten problem. It's not a dairy problem. They don't have some sort of disease or disorder. They simply are just underfueled. And I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't absolutely legitimately you know, food-related conditions, right? Like celiac or food allergies or whatnot that can cause GI symptoms. I'm more specifically talking about those gymnasts who don't have any of those issues. They've been ruled out, but we still can't figure out why they're having these symptoms. And I'll tell you, in my practice, I work with so many gymnasts that, you know, in the initial intake, they'll list bloating as kind of a main concern of theirs, especially when they're, you know, living in a leotard all the time. And over time with us working together, at some point, they'll kind of bring it up and they'll be like, you know what? I'm actually not bloated anymore. Like I totally forgot about it. And then I thought about it. And all of a sudden I'm not bloated. I don't look like I'm nine months pregnant all the time. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> that's probably because you're finally eating enough. So just kind of tuck that away in the back of your mind or even for yourself, right? This is not just athlete specific. I think a lot of adults who struggle with constipation or bloating, when we look at their nutrition, you know, we're skipping breakfast, we're not really eating lunch, you know, it's a very erratic meal pattern. And so the GI tract is just not getting enough consistent food volume, fluid, fiber, and that kind of thing to keep it regular. Another big organ system that's affected by REDS is the immune system, right? And obviously since COVID and the pandemic, um, we're a lot more vigilant at gymnastics clubs of, you know, cleaning and sanitizing. Um, but if I look back on my own career, I remember um, every winter I would get multiple upper respiratory infections. I'd often get secondary infections and we always just blamed it on, you know, the gyms being dirty and winter and being run down. What really was going on more than likely is the rundown piece, right? When we think about the immune system, your immune system is made of proteins. And so when you're not eating enough, your body's going to have a hard time building the right amount of, you know, immune fighting um, immunoglobulins, really the technical term to help keep you well. And so, um, the thing about gymnastics is most of the competitive season is during the winter. So another reason why adequately fueling your athlete is really important to help protect them and protect their body. And while most people, when it comes to, you know, competition season and the winter, they're, you know, going crazy on the echinacea and the vitamin C and fruits and veggies and all these things to try and keep their athlete healthy. But if you're overlooking this whole aspect of underfueling, none of that is going to matter. And that's how I really talk about any sort of supplement or strategy. I call it an advanced strategy. You know, it's really something we use to get that last two, 3%. And if we don't have that foundational nutrition in place, the adequacy, the right foods at the right time, the performance nutrition, then none of that is really going to matter. So in a nutshell, that was a pretty quick overview of Red S. If you have a gymnast that is tired all the time, if they're injured all the time, if their injuries aren't healing well, if they've just kind of plateaued in, in their training and you're not really sure 
what's going on. They're not responding like their teammates. If they're having a hard time focusing, if they've got increased irritability or depression, if they're, you know, trying to do all the assignments and conditioning, but they don't seem to be getting stronger. Um, these are all red flags that more than likely your gymnast is under fueled, but it's not just that you want to get nutrition support when you recognize these symptoms, really keeping the gymnast healthy and helping them to have the best longevity in the sport possible boils down to being proactive and prevention. So in my mind, if you have a level four or five gymnast that's training 15 plus hours a week, now is the time to really sit down and examine whether or not they're getting enough nutrition. And that's something that we teach our one-on-one clients. We teach our course members in the Balanced Gymnast Method course. Um, it's very important to me as a dietitian to help gymnasts heal their bodies, to have a healthy relationship with food in their bodies and make sure that we leave them better than we found them. And I can say that the prevention work is a whole lot easier than it is to walk through regs and re-nourishment with a gymnast, especially when they're older. Um, and while it may not be easy, it is a hundred percent worth it. And it is so rewarding for me when I get to see gymnasts fuel their bodies and heal and recover um, and return to peak performance and often perform even better than they even imagined. So with that, if you need support, feel free to reach out. Um, we often have at least one or two spots open in our premier one-on-one coaching program for level eight through 10 gymnasts or younger gymnasts that have specific medical conditions like red S or food allergies or that kind of thing. Um, we also have our online program for parents, the balanced gymnast method course. We open the doors publicly um, a couple times a year. Um, but if you want to um, get the inside scoop on that, you can go to our website, christinaandersonrdn.com slash waitlist dash one. And that will put you on the waitlist for the course. Um, and you'll be the first to know when we open the doors again. And I'll also put that link in the show notes so that you can click it Put your name and email on the wait list and we'll let you know when we are enrolling. So with that, I hope you found this episode helpful. We're definitely going to expand on a lot more topics from this down the road. But like I said, this is a concept that most of my upper level gymnasts, my level nine tens and elites who are injured, who are struggling, whose careers have gotten stalled and sidetracked because of reds. When they and their parents learn about this whole concept, they often get angry. They get angry that they were never taught about the importance of nutrition, that all they were ever told was that they had to eat healthy and that's what mattered. And that's why I talk about adequate fueling all the time, right? I think people get sick of me saying that gymnasts need to eat enough. Adequate fueling is important. Gymnasts are under fueling. But when you look at the ramifications of under fueling, it is severe and it's literally enough to stop your gymnast career in her tracks and not only ruin her gymnastics career, but negatively impact her future health, her bone health, her fertility, and things that we are responsible for when they are minors, right? So it's definitely our job to keep them safe and to to leave them better than we found them. So with that, that's all I got for you today. Um, can't wait to see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast sponsored by the Balanced Gymnast Method course. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us. If you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us if you have any questions. You can reach us at support at christinaandersonrdn.com. Share what's going on and we'll get back to you or you can learn more about our program 
programs by going to our website, christinaandersonrdn.com slash work with us. Bye for now.